I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. In episode 107 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all Dynasty fantasy football, I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, things you love or hate about the show, let me know. Guys, I don't know, man. I am just, I, I don't know if it's just me. But I am super excited about football being back. I can't get over it. We are hitting these divisional breakdowns. We are covering off the AFC East this week. We've already hit the Bills and the Patriots. If you missed those, check them out. We are off and running. Little PSA, in case you've missed some of those other episodes, I am pre-recording these and pre-editing these. This is the end of July here as I'm speaking. It's going to be dropping in August. I'm away on holiday for three whole weeks in the US of A. It is glorious. I'm sure there's lots of sunshine and other shenanigans but i just wanted to make sure you know we you know don't want the people to miss out on the content don't want you guys to miss out on those little tasty nugs getting ready for the fantasy season that is right around the corner so if there's one or two little things that we miss along the way it is because it was slightly pre-recorded but i think 90 95 of this stuff is still absolute gold and let's get into it the main event Back again, one more time, talking AFC East with the man of the hour, Rich Cooling, at Dynasty Island on Twitter. Give him a follow if you don't already. We've already covered the New England Patriots. We've already covered the Buffalo Bills. They were both spicy, both delicious. I enjoyed both of them thoroughly. Go back and check them out if you haven't already. We are talking the Miami Dolphins today. Rich, how are you feeling talking Miami Dolphins? Yeah, happy. It's um, I, I, I'll be honest. I dislike the Dolphins more than I dislike the Patriots. So hopefully this is uh, this is not me being even more negative than I was uh, on the last pod. Bitter, a bitter Jets fan. <laughs> a bitter, bitter Jets fan. So we are going to talk um, sort of the format. If you haven't been following along, just going to give you a recap, a quick breakdown of what last year looked like roughly any key changes for them in the staff and front office any major signings or major players they got rid of and spoiler alert there's a lot of changes with the miami dolphins we're then going to talk about a couple of players that we want to try and get on the roster or get out from under and we're going to wrap it all up with a bold prediction for the dolphins in 2022 so without further ado we look back to last year it was a disappointing year by pretty much every metric i would say if you're a dolphins fan probably not so much if you're a jets fan like rich the dolphins finished nine and eight last year third in the division and they unceremoniously parted ways with their fearless leader head coach brian flores he was sacked along with co-offensive coordinators george godsey and eric studsville they brought in, after a lengthy search, they brought in new head coach, first-time head coach, Mike McDaniel, former offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, which, sidebar, I love this signing I'm super excited about, which I'm guessing Rich is not excited about because he hates the Dolphins. 
They also brought a new offensive coordinator, Frank Smith, prior tight end coach and run game coordinator, and most recently the run game coordinator for the Chargers. They also brought in a couple other guys. They brought in Wes Welker, I know, as well as the wide receivers coach. Um, he came over from the 49ers. So they've brought in quite an interesting coaching staff I'm really hopeful for and excited about um, as, a, as a neutral. I have don't have a I don't have a dog in the fight here. As far as staff, as far as like actual like offensive personnel changes, some of the key ones they did sign Chase Edmonds in free agency from the Arizona Cardinals to a two-year $12.1 million contract. They signed Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys to a three-year $22.05 million contract. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater, who I assume is going to be the backup <laughs> to a one-year $6.5 million contract. They signed Raheem Mostert to a one-year $2.12 million contract. Um, and the big, 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 um, you know, obviously the big splash that we all are aware of, they traded for Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs and then signed him to a four-year $120 million contract extension. Uh, a couple of the little smaller moves, they did trade away Devonta Parker to the New England Patriots as we mentioned in the Patriots episode, they did draft Eric Azukama in the fourth round wide receiver, and they signed UDFAs of Condre White uh, running back. And they also signed Sony Michelle to a one year, $1.75 million contract. So I don't know where Mike McDaniel got his like New England Patriots connection, but he's basically just like, give me every old running back that you can possibly find. I want them all. So I'm not sure if he thinks of them as like the infinity gauntlet. You know, he's got like this infinity gauntlet for running backs and he needs all the stones, but I'm not sure what to think here. There's a lot of moving pieces, Rich, you've already mentioned your hatred for the Miami dolphins, but if we can set that, you know, set that bias aside, how do you feel about the Miami dolphins? What's your vibe going into the 2022 season, especially for fantasy football? I think it's, it's been a smart off season I think I, I didn't necessarily get on board with with sacking Brian Flores I think he was a good head coach and obviously there there seems to have been a lot more to it than perhaps football should we say but um I think that a lot of the moves they've made have been joined up and, and well thought out which you know for a Miami team that that's made some some fairly shooting from the hip decisions over the last five, 10 years, it, it's nice that there's a clear thought process. And it's basically, let's try and get as much speed on the field at all times. And let's try and get guys that can create in space and can separate to enable Tua to basically be that, you know, point guard of the offense, who's who's going to be able to just deliver the ball to guys in space who are open and, and not really ask much more of him. I think that, look, anytime you're bringing in guys like, you know, Tyreek Hill, it's it's never going to be a bad off season, is it? I would say if uh, if you've not yet, go and have a look at the uh, the Tyreek Hill contract because it is the the most enjoyable NFL contract I've ever seen in terms of it's a four year, hundred twenty million extension, but actually it's only a three year contract because that fourth year he's got like a forty four million dollar base salary, none of which is guaranteed. So uh, it's basically all just fake money that the agents just thrown in there to make him look better. But yeah, I, I think look. Raheem Mostert, yes, he's probably done, but he's crazy fast. You know, Chase Edmonds is is quick, good in space, good with the ball in his hands. I, I'm really excited about what this offense could potentially be with all that speed in the field. I tend to agree with you. It certainly feels um, like a step in the right direction. We don't know what Mike McDaniel will be like as a head coach, but he obviously did a lot of really good things with San Francisco. He's thought of highly there. 
I really like him. Just even in interviews, he seems very likable, um, enjoyable, fun dude. So again, we're going to look at a couple of the underlying stats. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to compare some of them to San Francisco because that's where Mike McDaniel comes from. That was, he was the OC there. Um, he helped Kyle Shanahan kind of craft what was going on over there. So we're going to kind of compare and contrast what we saw with the Dolphins last year and what we saw with San Francisco and try and piece together what we think we could see maybe uh, in the future here for the Dolphins. So if we look at some of the underlying stats last year, as far as pace of play, the Dolphins were kind of middle of the pack, 15th. Um, San Francisco was actually 29th. They're very slow pace of play. So it could stay the same as sort of middle of the pack. It could get a little bit slower, which we don't love to see. We want more plays. We want more fast action, more time for our stud muffins to be scoring points. When we look at actual DVOA, which is one of the stats I find really fascinating and I think is really intriguing. Um, again, if you haven't been listening or paying attention to the previous episodes, DVOA just stands for defense adjusted um, value over average. So they look at a play, they look at a game and they say, here's what this particular offense faced as far as the defense, as far as the yardage. Um, here's what we would expect them to be able to do. And what did they actually achieve over the course of the game, over the course of the season? Were they above average? Were they below average? Um, and it takes into account actual points scored, things like that. They finished 24th in DVOA, so not very good. Certainly bottom third of the league. If we look at San Francisco, they finished fifth in DVOA. So you can see there why why they would be excited to get a little bit of that San Francisco action um, in into their bloodstream. And then when we look at actual success rates, so for running, for pass, and just for overall, again, comparing and contrasting, how do we quantify this again? Again, just because I don't want to be too jargony. A play is considered successful when it gains at least 40% of yards to go on a first down, 60% of yards to go on a second down, or 100% of yards to go on third or fourth down. So with that being the case, looking at last year, um, they were the Dolphins were 44% successful on their run, which feels like a low number, and it was indeed 30th in the NFL, so second worst. They did not have a good run game. They were not efficient in the run game. San Francisco was 19th, so it was actually a little bit lower than I expected it to be. Um, but certainly better than 30th, more near the middle of the pack. As far as pass success rate, the Dolphins were 48%, um, and that was 11th in the league, which is better than I thought, certainly a lot better than I expected, probably a lot of that to do with Waddle and Gesicki, I would imagine. Um, San Francisco was 12th, so very similar. Um, and then overall success rate in there, when you combine the pass and the run, was 47%, which was 20th in the NFL, so again, quite low, bottom third. San Francisco was 13th, so above kind of the middle of the pack closing in on the top third of the league so i think it's been clear some of the moves that they've made with the offensive line stuff they've been trying to do with the running backs they're obviously trying to bolster that that run game that they were you know doing so well in san francisco bring that up and um, they've obviously brought over tyree kill as well when we look at the passing volume again kind of just comparing and contrasting the dolphins and the 49ers from last year Miami was actually seventh in overall pass volume, 576 pass attempts. They were a pretty bad team. They were behind a lot. They had to throw the ball. They didn't have a very good run game. San Francisco was 29th. They only had 464. They were in control of the game a lot of the times. They had a really good defense, a really good run game. They were able to sort of pick and choose when they wanted to throw the ball. So that'll be interesting to me to see how that works itself out. Um, I'm assuming my, if I had to guess, it would sort of be imagining it coming down a little bit from Miami's last year and coming up a little bit from San Francisco's last year sort of meeting in the middle somewhere middle of the pack as far as how the 
targets and stuff, how the targets were actually distributed. If we look at last year for Miami, the targets to the wide receiver room was at 54.7%, uh, which is 26th in the NFL. So they weren't passing a lot to the wide receivers outside of Jalen Waddle, really. 315 targets in total went to the wide receiver position. Um, San Francisco was actually pretty similar. It was 58.2%, so 17th, a little bit better. But again, not a massive target share going to the wide receivers. For running backs, Miami passed 16%, which was 27th, um, 92 targets. San Francisco was at 20.7%, which is 12th. So a substantial increase there, which again could bode well for some of these running backs that are being brought in. And as far as tight ends, um, they, they the Miami passed the ball 29.3% to the tight end position, which was first in the league. Gesicki was getting a lot of targets. San Francisco, you know, which we think of passing a lot to the tight end because George Kittle is such a stud, was at 21.1%, which is 14th, so a lot closer to the middle of the pack. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of facts and figures, and there's a lot of comparing and contrasting as we're trying to piece together what could this Miami offense look like. Rich, do you have any kind of key takeaways from any of those numbers that have been thrown out or any of your own thoughts from that? And also, what is your magic number of uh, scale 1 to 10? How confident are you feeling about these offensive pieces for the Miami Dolphins in 2022? So I think uh, confidence level, I'm, I'm probably around a 6. I think I like a lot of the pieces. I like the head coach slash offensive play caller. I'm a little confused as to exactly what this offense is going to be and exactly how good it's going to be, largely because of the big question mark at quarterback. I think that, you know, that you look at last year, two was 30th of 33 quarterbacks in terms of average depth of target. Yet he was the most accurate and efficient deep ball passer in the NFL last year in terms of per PFF passes of uh, 20 plus yards. He had the highest adjusted completion percentage. And it's kind of like, so is Tua good at throwing deep, but he was just didn't get the opportunity to it. Or was he good at throwing deep because he never did it. So when he did do it, defenses weren't expecting it. And I, and, and I guess that's, that's basically the big question, isn't it? Is that, could, this offense could be fantastic if Tua is an all-round passer. If Tua is just that, you know, I talked about it earlier, the 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 point guard of the offense that is just going to deliver a ball accurately to an open receiver in the short and intermediate routes, I think it puts a real cap in terms of the ceiling of where this offense can go. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, certainly there are questions to be answered. I I'm probably about a seven, seven and a half. I think a little bit higher than you because I feel like the certain uh tools on the offense that i'm excited about i feel fairly confident in there's a lot of unknowns but there's a couple of guys i'm pretty happy and pretty confident in and then yeah there's a lot of question marks so as far as actually getting into that then again we like to try and on the show i always try and give actionable advice i know you're really good at that rich and that's something you're passionate about as well so we're going to talk sort of nuts and bolts of actual players so putting names um names to to kind of theories here who are some players that we want on the team who do we want to get out from under and who are we stashing so first and foremost we've actually agreed for probably the first time in this whole series on a player uh, we're looking at a guy that we want to get on the roster and who exactly is that rich so that's chase edmonds um i think he's he's criminally underrated i can't get my head around I think you said he was running about 38 in terms of current ADP. That's absolutely mind-blowing to me. He's my my running back 26. Um, 
I think that the question mark people have is, oh, they've brought a lot of pieces into this offensive uh, backfield. Is Chase Edmonds going to be the guy? Well, you know, I talk about following the money. Um, I, I dive into contracts quite a lot, and he's getting ten million more than any other running back in this offense. You know, it's a two-year, twelve million dollar deal. No one else signed anything more than two million, and I just think that he fits perfectly within the offense that Mike McDaniel wants to do. I think he's a really good runner in that outside zone scheme that we're expecting Mike McDaniel to bring across from the 49ers. And he's also really good in the passing game. And let's be honest, we know two is going to check it down a lot. So I think that Chase Edmonds ceiling this year is, is really high. And I think where he's being valued and where he's being ranked is, uh, is criminal, quite frankly. I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, belabor the point there. I, Basically agree with everything you said. That was my pick as well. I felt pretty clear about it. Running back 38 feels like you're getting him at probably below his floor. Um, so I'm always happy to get those kind of <laughs> those kind of bets when I can. What about a goodbye see you later guy? So who are you getting rid of on the Dolphins? Um, potential dynamic, you know, offense here. Who are you who are you getting out from under, hoping to cash in on the hype? I think for me it's Tua. And I talked about earlier about the question mark of, of what is Tua. And I think that for me, at his current price, I just I just don't want any part of it. I think that he's not got that elite ceiling that potential other guys in this price range may have. And I'm not convinced that there's the longevity there that his age would suggest. So for me, at quarterback 17, I would much rather take a punt on a you know, James Winston or Justin Fields that I think have got that huge elite potential um, that are probably a little bit cheaper, quite frankly, in current uh, in current prices. Yeah, that, that makes sense. My, um, my goodbye, see you later, dude, is actually Tyreek Hill, which probably sounds pretty shocking to some people um, because he's been such a stud, you know, for years now, he's been awesome. And he still comes in as wide receiver 11 on sleeper Superflex ADP, which again, just in case this is the first episode you're listening to sleeper is just a fantasy platform that I love playing on. And I believe rich loves playing on as well. It's not some secret ADP. So it's just sleepers ADP. They're saying that he's still coming in as a top 12 wide receiver, even with the trade. So this is recent as of like last week, ADP um, he's still coming in as a top 12, dynasty wide receiver in startups for me i think he'll be awesome this year so again sort of similar to what you had mentioned earlier for one of the players i forget i think it was stefan Diggs. i think he'll be awesome this year i think they paid up for him for a reason i think he's going to be awesome this year probably still going to be awesome next year um but the reasons for me is he's 28 years old i believe he'll be 29 during the season and unlike some of these other guys that we've talked about like so unlike stefan Diggs or unlike keenan allen his main, probably the biggest calling card of his is his speed. His nickname is Cheetah. He's an absolute speed demon guy. Um, and, and with those kind of guys, once their speed starts going or does go, that's a lot of their value gone. And we don't know how long that speed will last. If he's going to be 29, almost 30 years old, it's kind of unrealistic to expect him to continue to be like the fastest guy in the NFL forever. Um, with the fact that he's also basically pretty much valued the same as Jalen Waddle, which I love Jalen Waddle and Jalen Waddle is just like a super young version of Tyree kill in some senses, not saying he's quite at that level. Um, but the reason again, being that if you can trade away a Tyree kill and get Jalen Waddle, 
or get Jalen Waddle Plus, something like that, I would be happy to do that because you're getting such a massive discount on age. You're getting a guy who's elite in his own right and done a lot in his rookie year. But that's just one example. I'm just saying there's lots of guys that around that range that I feel like you can trade into with still capitalizing on the name value of Tyreek Hill. It's a similar sort of kind of a piece of an argument like we talked about with the Bills with Stephon Diggs. You have to sort of try and be out a year early rather than a year late. There's no doubt that he's taken a downgrade in his quarterbacks going from Patrick Mahomes to, you know, to a, um, there's certainly no doubt that there's going to be a lot of uh, unknown in this offense. And right now I think everyone is freaked. He went from probably what wide receiver six to down to like wide receiver 11. So he's come down a little bit, but he's still being viewed as a top 12 wide receiver. If for some reason, you know, Jalen Waddle ends up outscoring him this year or, say they both are just kind of disappointing because they're eating into each other's value and they both finishes like mid or lower in wide receiver twos. If something like that happens, then that kind of really ruins his value. And I think you're going to have a hard time selling him for peak value as a 29 year old wide receiver on a potentially bad Miami offense, if that is the case. So that would be my reasonings for possibly getting out from under Tyree kill as much as I love him for this year. And I think he will be good. What about then a sneaky stash? Do you have, who's your guy that you're trying to go out and look for on the waiver wires or just get thrown into a deal? Uh, it's, it's Raheem Mostert. Um, I think that, when a head coach comes into a, a new team, you know, they normally bring a couple of guys with them that, that they know, that they trust, that they think are going to bring in the right um, kind of locker room presence, but also help kind of educate in terms of scheme and things they like. And I think you've got to listen in that Mike Daniels has brought Raheem Mostert with him. You know, as much as we talked about Chase Edmonds being a, a great buy and, and a great option in this offense. I don't expect Chase Edmonds to be a 65, 70% opportunity share guy. I think there is going to be a 1B in this offense. And I think that Raheem Mostert is going to be the guy that gets the first crack at that. You know, this is a guy that the last, okay, last year he had a horrific injury. The year before that, he was a top 24 running back in 50% of the games that he played. That was despite being injured at three different occasions during the year. The year before that, he played a whole year, but he was, a, a, a top 24 running about 40% of the games he's played. You know, when Moster is healthy and on the field, he has shown that he can produce fantasy points. He is a dream fit for that outside zone scheme. He is the perfect one-cut runner. He is lightning fast. And I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not expecting him to be a week-in, week-out, reliant fantasy starter, but that's why he's going as running back 67. I think that, if Chase Edmonds were to get injured and Raheem Mostert were to stay healthy, now those are two big ifs, but I think Raheem Mostert could be an absolute stud for you in the short term. Yeah. Do I, do I sense a little man crush there on Raheem Mostert at all? By <laughs> your waxing love, lyrical. I love, I love myself some depth running back pieces in Shanahan offenses. Jeff Wilson has been a crush for years. Raheem Mostert is a crush. Dearness Johnson is a crush. I love me like a running back three, running back four. Love it. Yeah, it's it's pretty similar for me, actually. My sneaky stash, I've got a two-pack here. And the way I'm sort of attacking Miami is similar to what I would do with San Francisco. You know that you would like pieces, but you don't really want to pay up too much because it's you're not sure who the piece is that you really want. Um, for me, my kind of sneaky stash is here. I've got Zaquandre White, who I mentioned earlier, was a UDFA that they signed. Um, I just think that Mike McDaniel obviously just came from a place where – 
they drafted up, they traded up to draft a guy, and then they basically benched him for like a sixth round pick. I feel like there's a chance that they could be, he could have that kind of mindset where he doesn't really care about the draft capital in that situation. He just cares about like who's the best player for the situation because we don't know what the health will be like with these guys. A lot of these guys, Chase Edmonds, um, Sony Michelle, all these guys have been known to miss time. I feel like Zaquandre White's a guy you can pick up off the waiver wires. Nobody's really cares about him. He was pretty interesting and um, pretty entertaining there in college. He could be somebody that would be sneaky value for you and in that same vein i've got lynn bowden jr so lynn bowden jr has been really forgotten by a lot of like people in dynasty twitter but um he is actually a guy who was uh kind of like a wildcat quarterback and kentucky he was really fun really exciting to watch play and to me seeing mike mcdaniel and what he did was like a debo samuel kind of guy i'm curious like could he possibly unlock some potential in lynn bowden he's a guy he could almost certainly find on some of your waiver wires and it may be a waste but i somebody that i would just want to stash on the back end of the roster and see what happens through training camp see what happens with the final roster cuts if he's made the final roster there could be a reason for that so those are kind of our sneaky stashes i'm gonna ask rich one last time to set aside his bias and give us a dolphins bold prediction for 2022 uh so my bold prediction is that the miami dolphins have a new starting quarterback at the end of the season i'll be honest i think with with the signing of teddy i think there's a potential that they might have a new starting quarterback in the season um, but I think they definitely have a new starting quarterback this time next year. I think they've got two first-round picks. I think they're building themselves to compete right now, and I think that I just don't believe two is the guy. You son of a gun. I asked Rich to put aside his bias, and he's given me absolutely negative bull predictions for the New England Patriots and now for the Miami Dolphins. Just wait until the New York Jets episode. I guarantee his bull prediction is going to be something about them winning the Super Bowl or something this year. Um, he just can't help it. You can take the boy out of New York. You can't take the New York out of the boy. Am I right? So my Okay, I'm going to go in the positive vein here. I'm going to say bull prediction. I, this might sound really crazy, but I, I'm going to say that... I, okay, my bull prediction, I think... Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are both going to break a thousand yards this season. Um, I just think I'm, I can imagine it being absolutely terrifying as a defensive coordinator, having to think about how you're going to scheme up for both these guys. They're both yak monsters. So even if he's not, bombing it down to these guys i just imagine like okay well the main dude and is over there on tyreek here you go jalen you know and then like next next you know set of downs the exact opposite there's no way you can kind of double and triple team both those guys i think they'll just take turns really just absolutely demoralizing opposing defenses so even if two is not really being that amazing I think they'll still eat um, throughout the season. And if they're not that good and they're struggling, they're going to probably get even more opportunity. So that's going to be my bold prediction. They both break a thousand. Um, I'll say a thousand all purpose yards, just in case they get some rush attempts in there or something like that. So there you have it, folks, Miami dolphins. We broke it down. Apologies to any two stands out there for Rich's unseemly behavior. Um, but we are, we are going to wrap that up there and move on to the final team. The one that Rich has been looking forward to the most. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a Dynasty debate. <laughs> 